gets hot sometimes, so grab your weighted blanket and let's talk about it. Ladies and men and non-binary friends, welcome to Weighted Blanket Happy Hour. I'm Jackie, that's Julia. I feel like we never introduce ourselves, which is... I, I, I'm, I'm glad you just took that upon yourself to do it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, we hop on every week and I'm like, it us, it we, we here. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, I guess mostly our friends listen to this so far, but we should get in the habit of saying for those who don't, For those who don't know and have yet to have the pleasure of meeting us in person, yeah, here we for, are. For, for our one listener in France. <laughs> ah, yes, bonjour. Comment ça va? Bien et tu? That's all I remember. <laughs> oui, oui, omelette du fromage. <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay, Dexter's Laboratory. Um, <laughs> That's literally why. <laughs> you know, so I took three years of French in high school, and, you know, as mentioned in previous episodes, it was my blow-off class. But I had I had also picked up some French because my my family loves going to Paris because um, we're a bunch of white people that love cheese, so I always had a really good like grasp of the basics. So when I started working in restaurants, uh, specifically in Times Square, I became the go-to quote unquote French translator. Because we would get a lot of French tourists, and my manager would just be like, where's Julia? Get Julia. We need someone to talk to these French people. And I'd, yeah, I'd just be like, bonjour, ça va? Oui, le wait, le wait, et dix minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you know, like five sentences, but it's like the most yeah. of anybody by far. So they're just like, God, don't yeah. go, go. And it was like, when it, yeah, it was it was Bubba Gums in Times Square, and and my manager would just say to me, I don't, I think they're asking what we have on the on the menu, and I would just be like, <laughs> oui, et le poisson, et le poulet, et le hamburger, et le chocolat cateau. <laughs> Oh, I, I forgot it was a Bubba Gump, so that makes it even better. Yeah, but I, I can guarantee you that whenever I had a table that was French and I used those skills, I actually got a tip out of them. Because they appreciate it. That was exactly. like, when when I lived in, or not not when I lived in Japan, but like when I came back from living in Japan, people were like, oh my God, you spent four years there. Did you Do you speak Japanese fluently? And the answer is no. Uh, one, because I always had friends who could speak it better than me. Two, because it is a really difficult language to learn. Yeah. And and three, because I learned like, uh, and like that was all I needed. <laughs> like I just learned how to order food and I was like, cool, good enough. Right. This will this will get me through enough. And where is the toilet? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all you need to get in the world is how to order food and ask where the bathroom is. You're set yeah. to go. <laughs> they actually, when we, when you live on the base in Japan, at least in, they did this in Yokosuka in 2007. They, as like part of your like new member orientation on the Navy base, they gave you a little like, like a, what, do you, what is it called? Like a little like business card type cardstock card that just said in English and Japanese, I'm lost. Please direct me to Yokosuka Chuo oh. Station. <laughs> And for our listeners who don't know your backstory, why were you at the uh, a navy base in Japan? Cuz my dad was in the navy. And it well and it was so f- it was so funny because like we moved from San Diego and apparently we had a choice of moving to like 
Italy or Japan? And I was like, why the hell didn't we pick Italy? What is wrong? Why not Italy? And my mother was like, uh, because it's Naples and that's where all the gangsters live. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that, I don't know if that's entirely true, but like apparently Naples is associated with being a, a Italian mob kind of town. Huh. And, and so they were like, Japan, which is very, is very safe and wonderful country with amazing food. And I miss it constantly, but I did not get very good at Japanese. That's so funny. Well, if we have any listeners in Italy, please confirm if or not there yeah, are confirm games. whether <laughs> Confirm whether I <laughs> accidentally made a culturally insensitive statement about Naples, please. Is there, is there concern, is there concern for, for, for mobs in Naples or was Jackie's mom just watching too many Godfather films? You know, it's, it's quite possible. One or like one or the other. I'm certain it's one of those situations. <laughs> That's not that's not wrong. You know, uh, the other day I was having lunch with uh, JC and his parents and I accidentally slipped that he and I had ridden our bikes all the way from where did we ride our bikes from? We rode our bikes from Foster to 87th Street on the lakefront path in the mm-hmm. south side. Never been the south side before. Um, and his mom was like, what were you doing down there? <laughs> It's the lake path, though. Like that's the, the lake be... path. The lake path is fine, and then and then you get off of Eighty Seventh Street, and and it's like, yeah, this is this is the south side of Chicago. I should, you know, not be like keep my wits about me. It's an unf- like you should do that anywhere in any city you live in, regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but there is such a like like my parents and his parents from that same generation, like growing up and just always being like crime is in the south side like watch where you're going and and uh we we went for vegan food because even the south side has vegan food and does. and then and and then she was like well you didn't take the train back at least right and i'm like yeah yeah we did yeah. we sure did i mean i she's like how did you how could you have and and i was like well we had our bikes in front of us when we were sitting so i don't think anyone wanted to mess with us yeah <laughs> It was just like the just like not bothering. Well, it's also just like there's there's huge chunks of the South Side that are like perfectly fine. Yeah. Or like it's just like it's it's almost like intentionally racist ideals prevent people from living down there. Shocking, (laughs) shocking. How is your uh? How is your? We're we're slowly emerging from the pandemic now. How is how is your emergence from the pandemic starting? My emergence is going great, going to the gym, going to the gym regularly, seeing my parents more often. And now when I have friends that hit me up asking when we can get together, I don't have to constantly check the the map on the CDC website because I'm vaccinated. They're vaccinated. We'll go somewhere outdoors or, you know, somewhere like someone's house or someone's apartment just to be safe. Um, but just having those small niceties back has been a game changer alone. Yeah, it's very true. I know mine, my, cause it's like, I'm fully vaccinated now. And like, my experience has been like, oh, well you're fully vaccinated. Now you can like get back to doing theater things. Now you can like get back to auditioning. Now you, now you can be productive. I can't, I never can. I never could. It's a lie. And, <laughs> 
So it's like on the one hand, like I got to go to like dinner with my friends the other day and we had hot pot, which is what we love doing. And we haven't had hot pot since like in, in hot pot in Chinatown, which we haven't done since 2019. And it's like, um, and I'm like, oh my gosh, friends, friendship things, being outside right. people. But then I'm also like, oh, like I was telling my voice teacher this like an hour ago, actually. It's like for the past year, we have all given ourselves permission to like not think about the future too hard because we've just all been surviving from week to week. And there's, there's a, a simplicity in that. There's a simplicity in being like, well, I don't have time to think about the longevity of like my life and you know, what, what I want to do and like how I want to spend my time here on earth. Like (laughs) I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to fucking survive right now. And now it's like, we're moving out of that and we're moving back into like, oh, I have to think about my future again. And it's been weirdly difficult for me. It's been an interesting experience. I'm just being honest about that in case anybody else is experiencing that. I mean, I think in general it's easier to plan in smaller increments than go into the the broader, you know, forest for the trees kind of view. I know that that was a mm-hmm. common trap for my anxiety of, I know I'm doing good at my job right now, but where am I going to be in the next five months? What do I need to be doing to get there? And if anything I've learned with this pandemic is that also making small plans and small progress or even no progress at all, just coasting, that's also, there's also value in that as well. So it's mm-hmm. helped me remove that pressure of, you know, what are my goals going to be halfway through the year? And the pandemic has just, just, just made me appreciate just the small things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I know one of the struggles I'm having now, now that I have friends hitting me up that want to get together, I have my schedule, my, my me time is so precious now. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm planning, I go into this thought process of, okay, but if I give up my Wednesday night, then that means that I'm going to have to move all of the things I do on Wednesday night to Thursday night, but then I'm going to have to prepare the night of because I have work beforehand. It's, it's a whole, it's a whole to do. I really wonder how, 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 how was I so social before all of this, but also I was so burnt out and now I understand why. Um, because, because, because planning, planning, you it's, it's a skill. It's a whole thing. It's a whole skill. I've also just gotten like it, like I spend, I spend all my time cooped up with my roommate, but also like I've gotten so used to being alone mostly that it's like now the act of like seeing people is like weirdly like overwhelming in both a good and bad way. Like yeah. I like I'm so I'm so like relieved and happy to like, you know, see friends in person again. But then it's also like, oh God, this is just so much right now. Yeah. It's it's weird. It's a weird time that we're in. It's been weird and it's now somehow more more and new types of weird. Yeah. I think a lot of us were banking on getting out of the pandemic, it would stop feeling weird, but I think life is just about always being weird and you have to adapt. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it went on too long. If it if it yeah. if the pandemic had only been a few months, then like it wouldn't have been this weird, but the fact that it's been over a year is like now now things are weird cuz shit feels different now. It's just Yeah. I don't know. It's just I'm just you, thinking about it a lot lately. You also learn too about which friends give energy and which friends take energy. 
Yo, for real. <laughs> because I I was having a hard time understanding. So I'm I'm I am both an introvert and an extrovert because I do I forgot what that's called. Is it ambi amb, ambivent? I think it's called an ambivert, like ambidextrous, ambivert. Because I can be the life of the party, but it has to be with people I actually like. Um, (laughs) But I also, I also get on with strangers too, if you know they're not assholes. Mm -hmm. And also, and also, not but, and also, I need time on my own to recharge. So I can recharge when I'm in the right group of people. But Mm -hmm. I still need time away to also be on my own to recharge. And now that I'm still being selective with who I'm giving my time to and seeing that, oh, well, if I'm not going out of my way to make time for this person, do I actually need them in my life at all? Because, you know, I'm like my energy is so precious right now and I'm not used to giving it out as often Mm -hmm. as I have been. Yeah. And starting to make me question, what am I actually getting out of this relationship? Am I just there to be this person's therapist and their mother figure? Or am I also having my social needs met when I'm interacting with this person? Yeah, those are good things to question. Those are helpful, helpful for the longevity of your mental health to spend time with people who and like sometimes sometimes people give or take energy. And sometimes there are times where your friends go through points in their life where they need more of your energy. And that's fine. We're talking about like the the leech people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I was I was insta stalking a leech person. And just memories of how much time and energy and my own resources I gave to help this person who just mm. lives in a constant tornado of self-destruction. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and sometimes like you just get to a point where cutting that person off is the best thing you can do for yourself, blocking them mm-hmm. and or unfollowing them, limiting how much you see of that person and not mm-hmm. reaching out. I, I just I realized that when I stopped reaching out to her to hang out, I wasn't hearing from her at all. Yeah, that's so except when except when she was blazingly drunk at like 3 a.m. sending me snapchats of her struggling home which you know would make me worry about oh my gosh did you get home okay are you safe but when it becomes a habit it starts to it's it's no longer my responsibility it was never my responsibility to begin with but it's Mm -hmm. not some it's nothing that it's not an energy that I need in my life right now yeah and also, please don't do that. Please, please don't. Please, please, please don't drink responsibly. <laughs> like, call, call an Uber, call a Lyft. If there's one thing that I have learned, it's that your safety is invaluable. On that chipper note, we have some things to promote. Do we? We do. We do. I, You're ri- right. I rhymed. Oh my god, I rhymed. Anyway, wow, you are just like totally like producer hat on today. <laughs> 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 with with the with the rhyming or the remembering that we have to promote <laughs> I'm the I'm the promotion fairy. <laughs> All right, well the well, interview we shall present to thee, but first thee must see these promotions three. <laughs> God damn it, I hate myself. <laughs> 
right. Okay, I'm here. I'm a professional. Um, we're gonna just we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna plug really quick because we know that not everyone's here for us asking to get money. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just real, <laughs> just real, real quick, quick, real quick. Um, we are partnered with Aqueous CBD. Um, it is this really great water soluble products. Uh, they're offering free shipping right now, and if you use our code. WBHH10, you get 10% off your order. So head over to aqueouswellness.com. That is A Q U E O U S W E L L N E S S.com and get yourself some non GMO and vegan CBD today. Hell yeah. Also, if you like us, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash weightedblankethappyhour. You can also, if you just like us and want to throw money at us, but not necessarily on a monthly basis, basis, you can do that on Anchor. And also, you can like, subscribe, review, and rate on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your podcasts that allows you to comment. Do the review. The review is the important part. (laughs) Yeah, if you, not just our podcast, but really any podcast that you like, even if it's just your awesome smiley face that goes such a long way with helping podcasts develop and grow. And Jackie and I talk all the time about how we have plans, how we want to grow. We want to be able to do more, but that includes building a bigger audience. And we want people in on this too. We really want there to be a community uh, for everyone who um, is working with anxiety, depression, ADHD, all the above. Um, And to help get that started, we are going to have a review contest for all y'all competitive types out there. It is going to be a review podcast. Um, So review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Just take a screenshot of um, when you're writing out the review and go ahead and send that to, you can DM it to us on Instagram uh, or you can email it to us and um, whoever is, whoever will then put it through a raffle and whoever wins, we will plug whatever on our podcast. So if you are part of a theater company, if you recently got into baking and you're selling your baked goods, if you are on Etsy, like, like we will, we will happily plug and support you on our podcast. So uh, go ahead and get to it. Yeah. It's free advertisement. All you got to do is win a raffle. It'll be great. It'll Have be fun. Great. It'll be great. Uh, I don't know. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I uh, yeah. I'm 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 studying for a project management course, and it's been taking up a lot of my free time. And I have a lot of that right now. But I just I just miss taking care of myself and just feeling like I had more time to do things. But it's almost over. And I'm glad I did it, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. Both you and Rose have been, like, taking taking classes and, like, doing extra things. And I'm, like, I feel I'm, I'm very deep in the pandemic burnout right now. And I'm, like, I couldn't fathom doing one more freaking thing, which is weird because I feel like I'm doing nothing. But it's, that's okay, I'm too. I'm having a time. But that's okay, too. There's also, like I was saying before, there is also value in doing nothing. If, you're, if your body and mind is telling you that you need to do nothing to recover, you have to honor that and not put any um, judgment or stigma on it. I've actually, it's funny because, like, I've been, like, 
I've been like weirdly depressed for like a month. And then just this week, I like you. Do you ever do you ever go through periods where you're like just kind of depressed and then eventually you mm-hmm. get bored of it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and you're, for sure. And yeah. And like just this week, I was like, you know what? This is boring. I kind of want to do stuff. And like I did some stuff this week instead of just like retreating into like reading and like not paying attention to my life. Yeah, I will say that the Zoloft that I'm on now has made a huge improvement. I just touched base with I just touched base with the psychiatrist after 4 weeks of just trying it at 50 milligrams and she did the same evaluation uh when we started and you know, she asks you questions like, like out of how many days this, in the last two weeks, how many days did you feel depressed or anxious? Not at all. Several days, more than half the days, all of the days. Mm-hmm. And my score for depression went from a six out of 21 down to a two. And my anxiety went from a 17 out of 21 down to a seven. <laughs> Nice. We love to see it. So, I mean, a lot of the ways that I answer the questions, I went from more than half the days to several days. So I am still anxious. I am still Mm -hmm. working on it. But it is significantly more manageable in my brain than it was um, before the medication. I did notice um, after the four weeks, I was calling, I'm calling it an anxiety creep where I was starting to feel the anxious levels were up higher than they usually were, and I was having a harder time taking them down. So we're upping mm-hmm. my dosage to 75 milligrams to see if that works um, to just help level me out. And it's completely normal, too. It's fascinating how your body, like the chemistry inside your body, will adapt over time as it digests the medication. So just mm-hmm. bumping it up a little will help offset that. And hopefully I won't have to go over 75 milligrams. Um, but it it I it's for, so for anyone who's like questioning about antidepressants or is on their own journey, um, it's it's been interesting and it's it's worth it. it. It's worth it because I didn't have a great reaction to Lexapro. 10 years ago and it just put a bad taste in my mouth for antidepressants in general so um i'm really glad i took this time to experiment with a different drug and experience some really positive effects yeah that's awesome i'm still waiting i'm Ugh. i'm still waiting to see if i get the the adderall i went back to my psychiatrist and i'm like hi nothing's working give me the fucking adderall and then we like had that we had the whole psych evaluation and the we we did the psych evaluation. The psych eval took two weeks. It took way too much effort. It took way too much fucking time. And then at the end, she's like, "Okay, it'll give me like give uh, it'll take like two weeks for me to tell the results." And I'm like, what? "What the fuck takes so like?" I'm sorry. I understand that like there's a lot of legal shit. And it's like, you know, these are professionals and they want to do their job thoroughly and to the best of, you know, their knowledge and intent. But it's just like, what the fuck is taking? You have a conversation with me and you understand that I have goddamn ADHD. Look look into my eyes and hear me talk about my life for five minutes and understand that I am not neurotypical. And like... in the meantime, like I'm, I this is this is part of why I've been so down this past month is that I feel like I can't fix anything in my life until I get these gosh darn meds, and I still yeah. don't have them. Yeah. So I'm languishing on the floor, but I'm doing it with a mic in my hand and a smile on my face. Hi, everybody. <laughs> 
uh, before we before we break, not to get political, but you know you, what you probably could have gotten in that same amount of time? What? A gun. Gun reformation, people. Let's make it happen. Let's make it happen, okay? Like, it takes more effort to get Jackie Adderall than to get her a gun. So let's... <laughs> Oh my god, you are so right. Holy shit, you are so right. I'm, oh, I'm, oh god, I'm exploding. The, the truer words have never been said. It's, it is all this effort for me to get a medication that I need. Clearly that when need. I don't, when I don't have a history. The, the, half the reason they're doing, they, they make you do all this is because the, the, the product can be addictive and the opioid crisis was a thing. I don't have a history of addiction. So I'm just, I'm, and it's this hard still. Yet I could walk in and be like, hey, give me a gun. And they would. They fucking would. I'm so sick of this country. I'm so sick of it. And on that note. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> All of this really gives us anxiety, but you know what? We don't have to panic. You want to know why, Julia? Please tell me why. <laughs> because it's time for the ads. Thank God. <laughs> Hi, everyone. So we are very excited today. We have a guest. Uh, she is a Chicago actor, voiceover artist, and host of the ADHD Artist Podcast. Everybody, where you are, please make an appropriate amount of applause for Sarah Guys. Yay! Yay. Welcome, Hello. Sarah. Oh, applause. Yeah. Remember applause? applause? That was so nice, <laughs> pre-pandemic. <laughs> I know. I miss it. It's just, and like, sometimes you just like react just like something you're listening to and you just like, you do mini tiny applause, but it's it's not the <laughs> not same. Not the same. Anyway. <laughs> exactly. But thank you so much for coming on the show today so when when julia and i were talking about like who we might want to have as like guests and stuff like i was sort of out looking for other like local you know chicago podcasts that like talked about mental health and i found yours and i was like oh that's right up my alley mm -hmm. because i also i also have adhd so i was like oh my like, gosh yeah. okay yeah <laughs> so we're in the same boat and i was like i have to listen to what this person has to say and i yeah. i've i've listened you know sort of through the rolodex of episodes and I've like you you talk about like a lot of really cool stuff in terms of like dealing with being neurodiverse but also like loving art and like how that helps or hurts and it's it was it was really fascinating so I was very excited when when you jumped at the opportunity to like come on the show and talk a little bit about you know what you do and what you like to work on and how it is being a mentally you know not neurotypical artist so thank yeah. you so much for being of course here. i'm so excited to be here yeah. thank you for having me well, to to start out just like tell us about your history you know with mental health tell us about like you know your experience with anxiety how it's tied to your adhd i know you you say on your podcast that you were uh you know diagnosed in second grade like mm -hmm. talk talk about your experience tell us things yeah. Um, okay. So yes, lots of experience with uh, mental health issues. Um, so uh, so I was diagnosed in second grade with ADHD. Um, mostly, it was actually ADD at the time, um, which like it didn't have the hyperactivity part, or they it existed, but like they were separate. Um, now they are not. But I was I was just really having trouble with my grades and and um, like 
you know, hugging my friends in the line and and being kind of just outbursts happening all over the place. And so and so honestly, like my we we just went to like the primary care or the, the primary doctor that I had and they were like, yeah, we think she has ADD and like put her on these medications and whatever and she'll her grades will get better. And so my mom was like, OK, well, cool. And so they did. And I didn't really understand it, um, except that, you know, my teachers liked me mm. more and uh, <laughs> and my grades were better and people seemed to be happy with me, which thus started my people pleasing. Mm. Um, oh, you know, I of feel like, that. oh, I fixed myself so that people like me. So as long so as long as I can fix myself, I can make sure that everyone in the room right. will like me. It's oh. it's like, you know, at that young age. Oh yeah. That's so sad. <laughs> the the just that that all that all that pressure. It's like I I know yeah. that feel. I have been there. It's nice to hear someone else with that perspective because I feel like we talk about that a lot. Oh, it's it's literally like yeah, like like I like I've been, I've been seeing my therapist for five six years and I am still learning like the nuances of of my anxiety and the depression, especially you know during a pandemic. Like none of us were prepared mm -hmm. for a pandemic. No one can prepare for this and. Um, and just, just like, yeah, like you were saying, like the basic tools of like self-awareness and being able to communicate with those around me or who I'm closest to, or even just being aware of where I'm carrying anxiety in my body and what its triggers are. So then it is my responsibility to take care of myself and protect myself. And should something happen, like whether it's an internal or external factor, I now have the tools to get through it or at least be able to communicate to someone like a therapist where I need help. It's like that thing that they say about like being aware that you have a problem is like half of the solution. And me personally, I'm like, well, now I just have all these problems and I know about <laughs> yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. And like there are times in like therapy where like I'm being really hard on myself and my therapist who I've worked, who, I've only worked with one therapist this whole time. And she like, to comfort me reminds me like how far I've come since our first year working yeah. together. She's like, you may feel like crap right now, but you have to remember that your first year, you weren't even acknowledging that you felt like crap. I was like putting all this fluff and flowery like motifs of you can overcome anything with a positive attitude. And Spoiler alert, that does not work in the long run. <laughs> For me, at least. For me, at least. Yeah. I, yeah. Me, same. Same here. There's that toxic positivity, too, where it's like, mm. you can overcome it with positive thinking, which works for some people in specific places, but it doesn't work for everyone. And then it just makes you like, oh, no, then there's something wrong with me that even toxic or even like positive thinking won't work. And yeah. that's yeah. just spiral. You just you, spiral you get in there. the argument in your brain of just like, like, I can just be positive. Shut up. And you're just like <laughs> arguing. Yes, it's not yourself. comforting. Yeah. It's just like, this isn't helpful. <laughs> Which yeah, I'm right. I'm sure that, you know, Sarah is a fellow ADHD person. Like, I'm sure that, you know, you've been told things like that a million times about like, just try harder. Just get motivated. Make a to-do list. Oh my God. Isn't that the worst? Yeah. Well, or and even yeah, exactly. Go ahead, go ahead, I was Sarah. just gonna say, like, it's it because so many times it's not because of how badly you want something. It's about like the barriers that are standing in front of it. So like, so people start to be like, you know, it's just like, you don't care. I feel like you just don't care. I don't feel like you're like putting enough into this. And I'm like, I have spent 
sleepless nights <laughs> for mm -hmm. weeks thinking about this over and over and over and still haven't gotten there. But it's not because of how much I want it. It's a matter of the barriers that are in between that and me. <laughs> it's just this is my level of normal and yeah. it's OK. Normal is relative, I feel. <laughs> yeah, like what is normal no is, even really well, no mean? No one is normal. Yeah. yeah, anyone who thinks that they're normal is lying. Yeah, well, and it, it's like a spectrum. Like I think of it like mm -hmm. like a spectrum where it's like there's like a middle ground of the spectrum, but it's not like there's no like normal. I don't know. No, it's, that's a whole conversation of like <laughs> of like conforming yeah. and like what you know in education, like teaching. Mm. I won't get into all that. I feel like that could just be hours, but. <laughs> oh, um, wow. Oh, I still have like anxiety nightmares of, of like, it's the first day of school and I don't know my schedule, but it's also finals week. And I realize I've been cutting class with, for French and it's always French. It's always French that I haven't been going to the whole semester. So I'm nowhere near <laughs> prepared for this exam. <laughs> And it's it, it really is like such an internalized way that I, I feel about life and how I felt about in school was just feeling so behind and so mm. underprepared, even though I was studying hours and trying to cram information in my brain that wasn't sticking, whereas it was so much easier for my classmates. Mm -hmm. mm. Ugh, school, school sucks. It's, yeah, and and it's something that I've been thinking about a lot is like, is teachers are doing like they're they're doing their best for the most part like it's yeah. like they're doing their best and the reason that they have these certain like curriculums is because they do work for most people doesn't mean that that's normal but they do work for most people and then when they don't it's like oh something's wrong with you because you can't yep. you can't um, that's not working for you. So you need to change something in order to make it work for you um, rather than being like oh okay well let's just acknowledge that this doesn't work for everybody. Um, it's just kind of a general average <laughs> that that we're making. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think about that a lot because I had I had issues with learning, too, and, and kind of covering up the fact that I wasn't learning things and just got really good at, like, learning how to take a test instead of learning how to actually absorb information and, and attach it to, like, something that is meaningful to me so I actually remember it. Was, the classic yeah. remember it until the test and then data dump it. I did. Oh, yeah. Yep. Data dumping, yep. yep. <laughs> I was always really good. I, I would say that I was really good at bullshitting. Like, I was a grade mm -hmm. A bullshitter. Like, I would know maybe something about the subject that would come up, and I would just be able to write this beautiful prose and use flowery words and include some vulnerability to tr almost, like, trick people into <laughs> thinking that I knew what I was talking about. Because I, I experienced the same thing where my classmates, the subject matter would just come so much easier to them because they were the average. And I learned later as an adult that... I can't. I, I am smart. I am smart. I just yeah. have to learn by doing, which is why, you know, I, I do so I did so well, like in my restaurant career, because you have to actually like know the process that the meals go through or know the methods that the bartenders are using for their cocktails and understand like I was I could have been a career <laughs> server if I really wanted that. <laughs> but it was because of that experience that I realized like, oh, I can learn useless information i just have to find a way to make it relevant to me which is not what our education system is based on at least right. the one that i experienced it was very much a memorize this 
take the test, then data dump it, which I question how 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 helpful that actually is in the long run. Well, I think people are starting to realize that too. And like education yeah. programs are growing like mm-hmm. mainly I guess from people who were like this is this doesn't work. <laughs> We've yeah. got proof now that this doesn't work. I went to a public school in Texas and and uh, like I there were programs um, that they call like special education programs and stuff which is the whole thing now and and uh, but now they've got I mean, they've got all kinds of different schools, especially private schools that are all about like that sort of like hands on learning. And I'm like, man, that sounds cool. I want to yeah, go back and do that. <laughs> yeah. you know, have well, you heard about like think... the Montessori or something yeah. where it's like everything oh, yeah. is self-paced and like they get they get to just kind of like dick around and do whatever they want. And I'm like that. I wanted I wanted that. That's that yeah. was all I wanted. Well, <laughs> Can even, I go back to first grade? Just, <laughs> yeah. Well, even just like the grading system of you're graded more by the effort than you put it that you put in and like your progress than how many answers you got correct. So mm-hmm. like right now I'm studying for a project management certification course and just like trying to keep in mind that even though I'm not getting like 100%, I am retaining more information as I go. And that's a way more rewarding and motivating process, which is also why I think like I wanted to get more involved with the arts because, you know, art can be objective or subjective. I always forget the difference between the two, but you know Mm -hmm. what I mean, Mm -hmm. where it's, it's more based on the quality of work that you bring and the amount of work that you bring and being able to, um, being able to express, um, yourself and work with other people. That was always way more interesting to me than proving that I could memorize 50 different quadratic formulas on a test. <laughs> yeah. To that, to that point, Sarah, talk a little bit about you know, because you you are very you very openly you know talk about your ADHD and like being an artist. T- tell yeah. us a little bit about you know th- having having multiple mental struggles while also being in a field that by requirement is very self motivated. <laughs> like yeah. we like you know yeah. our we we do art because we love it and like therefore we have to motivate ourselves, which I know for me is a huge struggle. So like talk about that. How do you experience that? Oh, yeah. First of all, people who um, who consider themselves like outside the norm in in terms of, you know, like ADHD, autism, like that, like neurodiverse um, tend to love the arts and be good at the arts. So it's like, oh, okay, well, you're not great at all these things. So people like kind of push us in into the arts, which is great. We love it. It's amazing. Like I asked this question on my podcast where it's like, what, you know, why do you or like, what does it feel like to sing? What does it feel like to dance? What does it feel like to do that? And it's amazing what all these artists will say. That said, it is so like when you talk about being a professional artist, a freelance artist, those sort of things, it's there's... mm, there's so much more to it than just making the art itself, which is still hard. You know, a lot of times making the art itself is still hard, but it's it's enjoyable. So then you've got you throw in money stuff. You throw in like, OK, I need to send these emails to this agent um, or this casting director and make sure that they know me. And it's just in acting, but um, but can apply to arts in general. Um, you're essentially pitching yourself as a product. And that's hard for anyone, I think. Um, but 
you really, um, there's not a lot of structure to it. And I Mm -hmm. think that people with ADHD, it's like we hate structure, but we need structure. (laughs) So damn true. Oh, my God. (laughs) Right. Um, And so and so that's why, like, being in a rehearsal process is is great um, because there is a structure to it. You show up to the rehearsal like you you start the process, you read the script. Right. And then you know which character you're playing. And then you like I I have we all have our like our process that we go through and then, you know, you do the rehearsals and then you get off book and then you go to tech and then you put the show up and there's like a structure to it that if you've done one rehearsal process, even though it'll change next time, there's, it's still got the same bones to it. Mm -hmm. But I think the part it's, that's really a struggle is the in between Mm. is, is like in between jobs. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, because there's just so much to do and there's so much pressure on artists these days <laughs> to, like, you know, be their own manager. And, and oh, they're the producer, the director, the actor, the, the visual artist, the everything. Um, and it's it's a lot. And, and what happens a lot of the time is we take on too much and then we burn out. And then it takes months. It, I mean, it could be days, weeks, months, years that you spend in that burnout place where you're like, I don't love art anymore <laughs> or, you know, I don't love anything anymore <laughs> or I just I'm too exhausted and I just I, I can't. I, so I quit. Um, so anyways, I feel like I talked in circles a little. But does that answer your question? Kind of <laughs> no, it does. Coming? You were you were speaking yeah. a lot of a lot of stuff that like I, I, I know I know Julia like has talked about uh, talked about experiencing similar feelings. And I definitely experience similar feelings because it's just you you said the thing about like we need structure, but we hate it. And that is mm-hmm. so damn true because mm-hmm. I have I have this huge problem where like I want to do so many things and like everything sounds cool and like I want to do art and I want to make things and I want to collaborate, but everything is so overwhelming that like yeah. I can't do anything unless someone is holding me accountable. And it's like, and I yeah. hate I hate the structure of a deadline and I hate the pressure, but also it's the only thing that provides that like, adrenaline override to like the horrible executive dysfunction (laughs) yeah well it's like okay this is the one thing i need to focus on and Mm -hmm. now i know okay this is where my full brain is right now this one thing i need to focus on because you know the consequences are so bad that i can't think about anything else um but and this happens with anxiety and ADHD, this they're they're very similar <laughs> mm-hmm. in some ways, and also comorbid. Excuse me, um, uh, but so one way I like to look at it and think about it is like the amount of data that we are taking in is giant. So if like a you know neurotypical person or whatever person who isn't experiencing anxiety um, is taking in ten things. In a given second, I'm taking in a hundred things and my brain can't process all those things. And so I just get so overwhelmed that I shut down. Right. So I, I always use the IKEA, the IKEA example of I, I'm I'm not allowed to go into IKEA anymore. <laughs> tell me about um, this. Oh my god, what? What happened? I mean, like, what did you tell me more? <laughs> tell me more. Well, it's not like the the IKEA people don't know this, but like my <laughs> my 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 inner circle won't let me go to IKEA anymore because what happens is I show up to IKEA 
and the possibilities are endless, right? It's huge. And they've got all these like setups and it's like, oh, my bedroom could look like this or this. Maybe I need this set of drawers. Maybe I need this random lamp and like all that. And so there's all these thoughts going through my my brain and it's so exciting at first. And then I get overloaded about 10 minutes in and I shut down and I like you see my eyes like start to change. I'm like looking around and I'm like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. <laughs> like, don't, we're not going to buy anything. Just go. We just we just have to go. Let's get some meatballs and like get out of here. Right. <laughs> I was um, about to say, don't forget the meatballs. You got to yeah, yeah, you can't get leave those on the way out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so so there's just it's so exciting but there's so much information coming in and you don't know what to do with it all. There's too many possibilities. And so you shut down and you don't actually buy anything. You don't actually land on any idea. That's kind of how I feel a lot of times in my life. <laughs> oh my God. That's a that's a fabulous story. And also, like, <laughs> I feel you because I haven't been to Ikea that many times. But like the the overwhelm of choice is insane yeah. in places like that. And that and that's a really good comparison because that's how I feel sometimes, especially kind of like oddly enough, it's it's kind of worse in a pandemic because it's like mm. we've this past year we've all had so much time. And I kept thinking that you know to myself this whole past year, like you have all this extra time. Yeah. You should be doing things. But then it's mm. like there were so many things that I kind of like couldn't pick things and we end. We kind of ended up on this. This kind of brings me to my next question because, like yeah. Julia and I, you know, out of a out of a lack of things to do, essentially, basically, we're like, "Do you want to start a podcast?" And I want to. <laughs> and I want to know, like, what's the story? Because you started your podcast, like, what June of twenty twenty? Yeah, was, that was, was when the, the first one came out. Was I, the first I, episode? Yeah. So I started it in May. Um, I think was, April actually. So like almost a year. A yeah. year ago. Yeah. So what's the story behind that? Why did, why did you decide to make this podcast now? So it's actually kind of a sweet story and like and fun. Um, we love that. Because, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like heartfelt. So um, so some of my friends um, at Interabang Theater Project, that's for people who don't know, that's my my company in town. Um, so a few of us um, were doing The Artist's Way. Um, because mm. we were, because we were like, you know what, we've got, we're all at home and we're all kind of like, all our shows were canceled. There's not a lot of art to be made and we'd been meaning to do it for a while. And so, um, we started doing it and I was kind of leading it cause I had led it before, but like when you lead the artist way, you kind of, you have to participate. And it, anyways, it's like, it's like, it's it's kind of like the twelve step program for alcoholics, except it's for artists. Like, yeah. who are I, I was going to say, for those who don't know, kind of yeah. g- give a summation of what the artist way is. Yeah, so it's essentially like like just that. It's it's like the twelve step program for alcoholics, but it's for artists who are feeling blocked mm. um, and can't make art. And it's kind of this like we you've got twelve weeks, um, and you've got like different assignments every week, and it's kind of like finding the things that are blocking you and getting you to just make art without worrying if it's good enough and like kind of exploring your own demons and uh, and the things that come up that say like, oh, you shouldn't submit for that audition because you're not good enough or, oh, you shouldn't draw anything because you're not a good artist. Like, you you know, um, you shouldn't learn guitar because it's not going to make you any money. Like like those sort of things that are in our heads all the time. And it kind of it kind of forces you to confront them and say, like, well, I'm just I'm going to do it anyways um, because I value art. Um, so we did that. And um, I think like halfway through, I I was um, 
was like doing the morning pages, which is essentially just like stream of consciousness writing that you do every morning. And uh, and Georgette, who is in the group with me, um, also has ADHD. And one of the my favorite, like I, I, one of the things that helped me the most to talk about ADHD was sitting across from her at lunch one time and like just being like you experience this too oh my god and I you're this artist I really respect and you have ADHD and you struggled like this and we go through some of the same things and and so like I guess kind of winding around like when we were doing the artist way and Georgette was there I just got this idea of like like I really want to talk about my ADHD somehow because it keeps coming up and um we did this uh we were talking about like our, the judgments that we put on other people that week, and there was this girl who who I like brought up, who I like was so judgy about, and I was just like, oh, God, I hate her, whatever. But she has a podcast, and she wrote a book, and she like did all these things that I wish I could do, but like I don't want to be like her or whatever. And and turns out it was like this certain jealousy because I was like, well, I won't let myself do that. And so one day I just kind of had this epiphany, like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm doing the artist way. I have ADHD. It's clear that I want to start a podcast. What if I did this? So I left Georgette this, like, long-ass voicemail. It's like, okay, okay, I have this idea. But, like, what do you think? Is this stupid? Like, what if you were a guest on the podcast? And I just kind of ran it by her. And Georgette, being, like, the most supportive person in the world, is like, that's amazing. You should do it. And so I did. And that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. That's 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 actually a super cute story. I love that. Yeah, yeah. It was it was nice because it was like yeah, being supported by friends who were helping me, and mm-hmm. it's something that I wanted to do for a long time. I wanted to talk about it more because I, you know, I felt like I don't talk about ADHD with my artist friends, and I was like, why is that? Um, yeah. But that's kind of how the actual podcast got started. That's super. Yeah, cute. I, 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 I. That resonates so much with me and like with us too, because like I found as I became more comfortable talking about my anxiety and depression, other people would tell me about theirs Mm -hmm. or they would think back to their own experiences and realize, oh, I have anxiety too, or I have depression too, but I didn't know that I could talk about it as casually or as freely without judgment or stigma stigma and it just it's just like so many friends of mine getting this adult uh, diagnosis mm-hmm. and instead of feeling like it's a, it's you know I'm I, it's, it's holding me back or it's such an awful thing it's it's just like getting you know it's just like I, if I had diabetes or if mm-hmm. if I had some other kind of chemical imbalance in my body like there's there's no shame in having to take care of it, seek out some physical therapy or talk therapy or take medication for it. It just is. It isn't um, It isn't a death sentence. It is just a part of my life. And it doesn't have to be all negative. And mm-hmm. I think that being able to share that perspective with other people helps them create a different opinion and a better way of being just creating better empathy 
Yeah. And just putting that out into the world. You yeah. said something to me, Julia, when you for that I think that I think resonates kind of with the with the tone of your podcast as well, Sarah. When Julia mm-hmm. kind of first came to me with this idea, we were on the phone and she was like, I wanna have a mental health podcast where we talk about our, our anxiety, but I don't want it to be depressing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was that There's was enough so, of that. That was there, well that's right? so legit, right? Because it's like I've listened, I've, you know, gone through a bunch of mental health podcasts. And yeah, a lot of them are fucking depressing. So it's like, yeah. I, I, I appreciated that was one thing I liked when, you know, when I was sort of like listening through like, uh, you know, other other podcasts, you know, other local Chicago podcasts is like, I'm like, we're talking about our ADHD in your podcast. We're talking about mm-hmm. being an artist, be having ADHD and like the struggles, but also the like. Yeah, it provides struggles, but it's also like sometimes sometimes it's funny and sometimes hyperfocus happens and it provides inspiration. It's like the yeah. good the good and the bad. And I I just I appreciate that that aesthetic. Yeah, well, there is this joy that we have with connecting with other people that are going through something similar and like mm-hmm. the experience of talking about something that feels shameful is so joyful when somebody else is like, "Oh my gosh, I am not only validating your experience, but I struggle with the same thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. There is something to say that when we are feeling, when we are able to be vulnerable with each other and just have someone that you know and trust be like, that fucking sucks. Yeah. Like, do you recognize how hard you are working and how little reward you are getting? Does that make sense to you? And just having like your feelings validated and seeing, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to suffer. Like, I don't Mm -hmm. have to struggle as hard as I like I don't have to that doesn't have to be my narrative I could do something completely different um it's it's just yeah yeah again we're 30 we're too old we're some of us are over 30 we're too old for that (laughs) (laughs) there's also this idea that you have to go like you go to therapy to like be fixed and therefore (laughs) and therefore something's wrong with you so you have to go get fixed rather than it being like you know, you talk about like therapy pushers. I I used to be like, I'm not a therapy pusher, but like I I always tell people that it's helpful. Everybody can use support. It's just a matter of like if it gets bad enough to where you're like, you know what, I deserve this. And my and the people and my friends deserve this. I like the people around me deserve this because clearly it's coming out in ways I don't want and yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. When Joe, <laughs> I'm sure my boyfriend Joe wouldn't mind me saying this. I'm sure. Um, but like he, um, he got a therapist at at some point, and I was like, "Babe, that's the hottest thing you've ever done." <laughs> like, same, when he like refers same. to therapy. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, yeah, my I therapist got, yeah. said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I was able to. Help, I helped. I helped. Um, JC, my boyfriend, get referred to a therapist, and he's like really into the work and I'm just like I'm so proud of you and just <laughs> like the way that he now talks about his mental experiences to me I'm just like mm, communication is so hot it's so hot it's so hot right thank now. you for not thank you for not like thrusting your own baggage against me <laughs> yeah. um like it's just I feel I you know like just just knowing that he is taking the time and work to to you know put the work in on himself there's nothing more attractive than a person who does that, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
Yeah. <laughs> therapy is sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Tagline a, for this episode. <laughs> therapy is sexy. I don't have a boyfriend, but if sexy. I did, I would make him get a therapist. <laughs> well, it's just men like everywhere like... need a therapist. I ain't even gonna <laughs> Oh, lie. listen, listen. I have dated my fair share of guys who I'm just like, mm, that you think this is you think this is normal. This is Bro. that's interesting. <laughs> like having these rant like like having these random outbursts of anger and rage and throwing things you think this is you think that's that's acceptable social behavior that's that's that should be looked at (laughs) i I think about that sometimes because like men think that's normal but then when i do it no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) no but seriously 100 (laughs) percent It's like, I feel like as, like, mm. I, I don't get angry easily necessarily, but like when I get angry, I am fucking angry. But when, mm. and like when I do it, it's like, you're nuts. And I'm like, oh, but when a dude do, does it, it's normal. Okay, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I just, it just makes me think about tennis, like how many times like male athletes like throw tantrums, but when Serena Williams does it, it's unladylike. I just, I always think about that. But I think mm-hmm. that also like, when, like it is such a, a, a way that society um, cultures women to, we have to internalize our anger, whereas men are allowed to externalize their anger. Mm-hmm. And if any of us, if anyone in that, um, if anyone does something outside of what we expect, so like if a woman does express her, um, her negative reactions, even if it is in a calm, you know, critical format, it doesn't line up with how we think women should react. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be pleasing. They're supposed to be um, accommodating. They're supposed to, you know, keep it to themselves. And if they don't, then it's unladylike. And um, and then yeah, if a man goes to therapy, if a man talks about his feelings, mm-hmm. then he's a sissy. He's a wuss. He's being too much like a woman. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to, to, to try to step outside of what society thinks they should be. Yeah. Right. There's the permission for you. If you're looking for permission, you just got it. Yeah. And also we've, mm-hmm. we've fulfilled our quota of one feminist rant per episode. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> Has to be at least one, but only one. <laughs> no, you can have more than one, but you have to have at least one. Uh, uh, Sarah, okay. I thought this would be fun. And you could tell me if this is a silly thing of me to do and you don't have to answer. But I wanted to ask you, because this is your favorite thing to, to ask people. What does it yeah. feel like? What does it feel like to make art? Hey, that's great. <laughs> oh my god, I love that question. <laughs> um yeah, it um there's different kinds of art that I make these days, but because, you know, I guess we all met in the acting world and that's kind of how I like think of myself as an actor and so when I'm on stage and and there's an audience and there's a script and I'm channeling a character um or whatever um I feel alive. I feel like all cylinders are firing and like and part of that, you know, you could like analyze and be like, well, it's because, you know, your your brain is only thinking about this one thing. But like the feeling I get is just that my whole body is there. I'm present. I'm just like it's really hard to be present, especially when you have anxiety, which and a lot of people with ADHD also have anxiety. Um, you're always like 10 steps ahead or like thinking about what happened 10 seconds ago. Um, and when you're forced to just be there, 
in the present, there's something it just like I have chills just talking about it. It's just like this this rush that you get. It's adrenaline. It's like a drug. It's addicting. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I guess it's a healthier drug than than uh, heroin. Drugs. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Than, than actual drugs. But um, yeah. So I guess that's my answer. I love that. That's a great answer. And steering, steering into, but so Sarah, every, every week, Julie and I end the episode with asking what our self-care was for this week. Uh, So you, you don't have to start. We can give you a second to think about it. We'll have Julia start. Julia, what was your, what was your self-care this week? Um, humble brag. I started going to the gym again. Now that I'm vaccinated, I wear masks. I wipe down everything. Um, my gym, uh, Sarah's probably familiar with it. The... Oh yeah, that's that's mine yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. I haven't started oh, going gosh. back. Yeah, I know. I'll see you there in a couple yeah. months, probably. Yeah. <laughs> when I'm back, it's, I I would recommend them. I would recommend them. Uh, Jackie, you should probably cut out the location to protect both of our identities. I, yes, I will do that. <laughs> no oh, worries. Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just yeah. I'll make it not be there. You're good. <laughs> or just bleep it so it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they must have said something bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's like it's just like what did they bleep? They curse all the time. I go to the fuck shit gym like. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yeah, because I, 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 I realized, I mean, like, I'm always surprised, even though, you know, I go through these bouts of not being as active, and then I become active again, and I'm happier, and I have more energy, and just a better overall outlook on life. And it's like, no, duh. Like that is that is the great the benefits of working out is (laughs) the endorphins and feeling accomplished and doing something for yourself. And there's just something about the change of scenery and seeing other people, like seeing strangers. <laughs> there's something about it that is yeah. lovely. I have never enjoyed going to a gym more than I have in the last week. Yay. So Good yeah, for that's, you. that's good my self-care. That's awesome. Thanks. That's so I'm awesome. so weak right now. I'm so weak. <laughs> Girl, me I'm too. Like lifting... I'm in the worst shape of my twenties. It's not fun. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lifting I'm lifting half of what I was able to lift a year ago. Oh no. It is I mean it's understandable because all I had was a ten pound kettlebell this yeah. entire pandemic. There's only really <laughs> so much growth I can do with that. But um it's gonna it's okay i'm i'm exactly where I'm you're supposed doing to be, it that's, that's okay. exactly right yeah. good for you <laughs> exactly. for starting and for persevering uh yeah. sarah what was your self-care this week so um i feel like there's all these different self-care things that i do uh often wh- whether it's like working out or you know taking a bath or or um like sometimes I like make art. Uh, I'll just like draw little stick figures or whatever because why not? Or listen to music. But um, I also feel like self care is one of those things where you have to assess where you're at and what you need at that moment. And this last week was was super busy, and I was like trying to get a million things done. So my self care this this weekend was watching uh, binging Shit's Creek. Because yep. I, I have never, I, I had, I had never seen it. And like, so my best friend and Joe, like, were not into it. They like watched the first couple episodes and they were like, you know, we're just not, this is, we're not really feeling it. And I was kind of like, well, I kind of like it. Um, and Joe and I, like, we watch 
so so much of the TV that I watch is with him, like basically all of it. And so Schitt's Creek all of a sudden became like my show. Like I get to watch it when when Joe's busy and I get to like put it on and just laugh and and, uh, you know, there's a bunch of garbage humans that are in this little town and they start to have hearts and you're just like, oh, yeah. my God. And um, so that has been my self-care. That's fabulous self-care. I love. Okay, I'm bad at watching television because, like, as an ADHD person, it is a singular focused like activity that requires my full attention. Therefore, to Mm -hmm. me, it is not leisure. But I watched (laughs) the absolute crap out of Shit's Creek. I love that show. So funny. Oh my god, it's so funny. It's so great. I I have a very I have a small but particular one. So this week, I got my second dose of Pfizer. (gasps) Wee. Congrats. I'm, I'm so I'm so so excited. Thanks thanks to Julia's mom who got me in off a standby list, which is thank thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but um so I I I got vaccinated and then I felt oh shut up, sorry. No, I will not call my grandmother right now. Anyway. <laughs> That was Sunday. I managed Every Sunday. This happens. I, man- I managed my life with alarms, and that was my "you need to call your grandmother" alarm. Anyway, That's great. What was I saying? Okay, I got vaccinated, and then felt like crud for a few days, and then yesterday I went to brunch, which <gasps> I had. Wait, you went. What you went? I went to. You went. You went to brunch. I went to brunch. I don't understand. Go <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, me and my my one of my friends who is like half vaccinated. We, she, but she was like, I don't care. Like, let's go to Bodega Sur and just like sit somewhere socially distant. And we went and we had brunch. And I was like, Do you realize that we have not had brunch in a year? <laughs> and we, it was, it was. I didn't like uh, you, not to be a white girl, but like it was so cathartic. <laughs> Because yeah. I love brunch and I hadn't gone in so long. And I was just like, oh, my God, it's brunch. And so I, I felt very <laughs> happy. <laughs> That's so fun. It was like my Jealous. number one thing I wanted to do after getting vaccinated. <laughs> brunch. I was like, there's other things. But the first item on the agenda is brunch. And I did it. And I'm so happy about it. When the weather improves, that's, Yeah. Yeah, mimosas are definitely in my future. Yes. yes. I'll go with you. It'll be great. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you again so much for coming on today and having a fun little talk with us. This has been this has been fun. So yes, much. And Sarah, fun. go ahead. Please plug Oh yeah, yeah, your, yeah. Pl- plug um, things. Plug go. all of your things. Plug all of the things. Tell Absolutely. us so people know where to find you. Tell the audience. Yeah. So um so my podcast is called the ADHD Artist Podcast. It's on um Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, basically wherever you listen to podcasts, it's there. Um, I can send y'all the link, but really it's it's pretty easy to find if you just type the ADHD Artist Podcast. Um, I'm also on Instagram, um, the ADHD Artist Pod and Twitter. Oh, God, I'm trying to be better at Twitter, y'all. I don't get it. I don't. I'm really trying because, like, I it's don't know. It's a tricky beast, Twitter. It is. But, but like, then I'll, like, put a tweet out and nobody will like it. And I'm like, okay, does that mean I'm bad at Twitter or that I'm, like, lame? That I just, you know, I'm not relevant? Anyways, um, but I am on Twitter. 
um, and uh, and Facebook and and all that. And I don't know when this episode is coming out. Um, do you have like a early a May, likely? Early May. Okay, great. So by then, I will have released uh, my next episode um, of the podcast, which is with an opera singer, um, an opera singer in New York, uh, and she's an opera singer that um, does so. She goes by the Opera Geek, and she does a lot of like tabletop, like like Dungeons and Dragons style, like like games. Like, who is this d- person, d- and why don't I know about them already? What? Yeah, no, she's awesome. Um, her name is uh, Kelly Butler, and she's awesome. So, uh, so it'll be a fun episode. And uh, she gave me permission to play her um her a little bit of her singing at the beginning she's a coloratura soprano um with with adhd so yeah i get very excited i Um, love that yes uh, go go check out sarah's podcast if you have adhd if you're an artist or if you know someone who is either of those things (laughs) exactly and and above and above else we uh wait did you have anything else to did you have anything else to plug or was that it Oh, um, just in Terabang Theater Project. That's my that's my artistic home, and yeah. they're good people. And you know, we're struggling like all the other theater companies during the pandemic. So, any love you can show us, we've got really fun stuff going on, and we have a Patreon um, that where we're producing some content. Which actually, I am supposed to do something this month, but um, put some <laughs> content out. But we'll get to that. But yeah, so in Terabang Theater Project is just it's a really great theater company. Theater's coming back soon. Soon. Gosh, I hope so. And now that I'm fully vaccinated, I was like, you should start auditioning again. And I was like, oh, what? Oh, no. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to figure it out. But hey, yeah. hey, hey, everybody, I, we want you to just stay safe. Stay sane. Same time next week. <laughs>